Argument, bienvenue, and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing Bells Are Ringing. Ladies and gentlemen, has this ever happened to you? These girls missed an important telephone call. But it need not have happened. Perhaps during the time you were out, he called. But no one was there to answer your telephone. Don't let the same thing happen tomorrow night. But what can we do? Subscribe to an answering service. Use Suzanne'sophone. Suzanne'sophone? Yes. It gives and takes your messages as it does for business executives, doctors, and theater celebrities on New York's smart east side. Now, this is what can happen when you subscribe to Suzanne'sophone. service? Yes. While you were out, the agency called. You've got the job. Oh! And your lawyer called. Your uncle left you all his money in his will. Oh! And he called. And I gave him your message, so he's waiting for you right now. Oh! Thank you, But first, how are we doing? As always, I hope this, the latest episode of The Musical Man, finds you well. I am doing very well. I am happy to report, announce, declare that my propeller beanie finally arrived in the mail, and I am wearing it as I speak. I am spinning the propeller. Unfortunately, it does not allow me to ascend into the great blue heaven above. I want to fly above everyone and see them as angels. And yet, this hat does not give me that ability, but it does allow me to feel as if I am united in a brand new way. With Patty and Benny, we are all wearing our propeller beanies. I have no idea. I still don't understand the appeal that Benny saw in these in the first place, but now that we are all wearing them, I have to, I have to agree, there is some level of, of charm and wonder to these ridiculous devices. I just wish, I, I assumed that I would achieve some sort of superhuman ability to fly, and unfortunately that is not the case. The only point of order I wish to address beyond the beanies, of course, in this opening segment, is a deadline review I recently engaged with. This was a review of the Hugh Jackman Sutton Foster revival of the the Music Man, which is playing on Broadway right now, unless something happens. There seems to have been a number of obstacles when it comes to that revival. But I was reading this review, and I do 
not remember, I did not note the author of this review, but the critic was trying to make the point that we should be exploring the dark and gritty underbelly of the Music Man, essentially. They were opining for a darker, more cerebral, I suppose, version of the Music Man, and I just have to say, at this point, I think we need to rein in the idea that every classic musical deserves to be ripped apart so its subtleties can be blown up by some director's crude magnifying glass. I know that it worked, quote-unquote, for Oklahoma, in that it was critically well-received, but having seen that revival of Oklahoma, you can get my full set of thoughts via Patreon. Having seen that revival of Oklahoma, I gotta say, it's not really a lot of fun to have the subtleties blown up via a magnifying glass. It makes you feel kind of stupid. It feels as if everybody on the production side is condescending to you, to the audience, and I don't need, I don't need a cerebral, strangely belly-button-exploring, navel-gazing version of the Music Man. No thanks, I can pick up on darker elements all on my own. Thank you very much. I can do the exploration myself. You don't have to lead me by the nostrils, slamming your fucking fingers into my fucking cavity and leading me along like I'm a, like I'm a disobedient dog. <laughs> No thanks. Oh my gosh. Enough already. All right, that's all I have to say in this opening segment. Let us hear the show facts regarding this week's subject, Bells Are Ringing. Show me the show facts. Let's go. Bells Are Ringing was a 1957 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on November 29th, 1956 at the Schubert Theater before moving to the Alvin Theater in December of 1958. The production ultimately ran for 924 performances. The book was written by Betty Comden and Adolph Green. We have music by Julie Stein and lyrics by none other than Betty Comden and Adolph Green. This week's subject is based on the life of Mary Prince, who worked as an operator for a New York answering service in the 1950s. So if you can just place yourself in an era prior to voicemail, prior to answering machines, we used answering services is what we did back in the 1950s. Mary often went above and beyond to meet the needs of of her clients. Anyone can take a message. Mary would pick up your laundry, walk your dog, water your laundry. <laughs> <laughs> she would do it all. I, I think I was trying to mix everything up there as, as some sort of a joke. Please, just stay with me. Stick with me. One of Mary's clients, a Mr. Adolph Green, was inspired by her ambition. The rest, as they say, is history. And that's the rest of the story, etc. Except that's not the rest of the story. Around the time bells are ringing opened on Broadway, Mary founded the Bells Celebrity Answering Service, which is still in operation today, if you can believe it. Their client list includes Shirley MacLaine, Robert Redford, Spencer Tracy, Kathleen Turner, Tennessee Williams, Noel Coward, Leonard Bernstein, Stephen Sondheim, and Steven Spielberg. Not too shabby. Regarding Mr. Noel Coward, he apparently at one point called Mary in a seething fit of desperation upon discovering he had run out of liquor. Never fear, Noel. Mary's husband is on the way with another 
another bottle. You will not be reduced to sobriety tonight, God forbid. Back to the show facts. The director of the original Broadway production of Bells Are Ringing was none other than Mr. Jerome Robbins. Hello, Jerome. Musical director, Milton Rosenstock. Orchestrations, Robert Russell Bennett. Choreographer, Jerome Robbins and Bob Fosse. Hello, Bobby again. Scenic design, Raul Peñe Dubois. Lining design, Peggy Clark. No sound design, but we have Raul Peñe Dubois handling the costume design as well. And the original Broadway cast was as follows. This is a mammoth-sized company of actors. 45 in total, and we're naming all of them. Judy Holiday, not Jennifer. Not Jennifer, Jonathan. There were several moments where I referred to Judy Holiday as Jennifer Holiday in my notes. No, it's Judy, Judy, Judy. So we begin with Judy Holiday, and then we follow her up with Sydney Chaplin, Pam Abbott, Frank Aletter, Doria Avila, Joanne Burks, Dort Clark, Frank Derbas, Norma Doggett, Phyllis Dorn, Don Emmons, Peter Gennaro, Frank Green, Eddie Haim, George S. Irving, Patty Carr, Casimir Kokic, Eddie Lawrence, Mark Leon, Early Leonardos, Janine Masterson, David McDaniel, Paul Michael. Frank Milton, Barbara Newman, Tom Osteen, Julian Patrick, John Perkins, Nancy Perkins, Helen Ray, Michelle Rayner, Marsha Rivers, Steve Rowland, Donna Sanders, Gene Stapleton of Damn Yankees, and Funny Girl fame, former subjects of the podcast. Also, she was in Juno, which we were just talking about the last time we got together for the main feed, but we're not done with this company. We also have Willie Sumner, Ed Thompson, Beryl Tobin, Ben Vargas, Han Wallace, Bernie West, Jack Weston, Pat Wilkes, Billy Wilson, and last but certainly not least, we have a Gordon Woodburn. Hello, Gordon. In terms of Tony nods, the original Broadway production of Bells Are Ringing won the Tony Award for Best Actress in a Musical, which went to Judy Holliday, and it also won Best Featured Actor in a Musical, Sidney Chaplin. It was additionally nominated for Best Musical, of course, but also Best Choreography, Jerome Robbins and Bob Fosse. So, doing some number crunching, we have four nominations in total, two awards when all was said and done. When it comes to the plot of this week's subject, I am more than happy to report that we have secured, we have booked a celebrity, the hero of our story. She is going to relate the events of her narrative to you directly. We have not done this in quite a long time. We always have characters from the musical theater canon coming on to do five, six, seven, eight coffee ads and musical shout-outs and such, but it's so rare when we have the time to sit them down and have them relate the plot of their respective show, but we have Ella Peterson on the line. Hello, Ella. Are you there? Can you hear us? Yeah, it's me. It's me, Boxy Malone. Yeah, yeah. I've got a Tommy gun and a hat. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kidding. Hello. Yes, it's me, Ella Peterson. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so nervous. Ah, oh, you'd think I would be used to being on the telephone talking about myself, though. That's That makes me a little uncomfortable, but I'm, I'm very happy to, to tell you all about Bells Are Ringing. So, I remember it like it was yesterday. You know, I was working for my cousin, Sue, and I was in her New York basement apartment. Sue, okay, so Sue ran a telephone answering service known as Sue's Answer Phone. That's one word. She was always on my case about getting too chummy with the customers. I mean, goodness gracious, I said, where can I help it if I have a desire to help those in need? And I had some fascinating clients, if I may say so. I I made reservations for this family. 
fancy, upscale French restaurant. Oh, I pretended to be a French lady. Oh, la, la, hello. We don't have any reservations. Go away. Don't call back. You will never eat here. Je voudrais qu'est-ce que c'est. It was wonderful. Oh, I loved doing that. I loved playing Santa Claus for Mrs. Mallet's son, Jimmy. Oh, ow, 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 it's me, Santa Claus. I never knew how to do a good Santa Claus. Ow, 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 ring-a-ding-ding. I don't have my bells. I used to have bells that I would ring, and I would say, Jimmy, eat your spinach. Ha, ho, ho, eat, ha, ho. I was very good at it, and I was very convincing. Jimmy always agreed to eat his spinach. Now, let's see, I was a cheerleader of sorts for a, a Dr. Joseph Kitchell. Oh, Dr. Kitchell, he was a dentist. He wanted to be a songwriter. Oh, 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 ever heard of Blake Barton? I got really excited there. Ever heard of Blake Barton? He's a big-name actor now. He was the star of such films as, uh, oh, the Peloponnesian score, and the glove has two hands. Oh, sure, oh, sure, he talked to me all the time before he hit it big. But my favorite client was a playwright named, ah! Jeffrey Moss. I loved him. I fell in love with him over the phone, if you can believe it. I mean, yes, so at the time he was not exactly the picture of health. He was a bit of a drunk. Uh, and, and yeah, I pretended to be a septuagenarian, an old woman, whenever he called it. This was my voice. And he referred to me as mom. It was a very unhealthy dynamic. I, I, I own up to that, but it was love. It was a form of love. Don't, don't fight me on this. Now, around the time this story of ours begins, there was this pesky fellow by the name of Investigator Bob and he was from the New York Vice Squad, if I'm remembering correctly. And if you can believe it, he thought Sue and I were using Sue's answer phone as some sort of lonely hearts club, a front for an escort service, is, is what he accused us of doing. And now, to his credit, he had just discovered an escort service within one of our competitors, another answering service, so I don't blame him for being suspicious, but the idea of Sue and I running a, <laughs> uh, some sort of cat house... <laughs> hilarious. And he wasn't really too far off, actually, when it, when it comes to Sue's answer phone, because Sue's boyfriend, uh, Jay Sandor Prance, uh, never liked this guy, he moved his record business, quote unquote, into the apartment, and he wound up using our service to place bets. He was a bookie. He had this whole coded system for placing the bets. I, I, I suppose I could go into that. I'm not going to go into that. No, nobody cares. I won't go into it. So one day, I decided to skip out on work. Oh, I was bad. And I decided to meet Jeffrey face to face. I was I was sweating. I was sweating like a <laughs> like an escort in church, if I may, if I may use polite language. But it had to be done. I had to go. He needed me. Jeffrey's career was on the line. And I found him in a drunken stupor at his apartment. And I couldn't bring myself. When we introduced ourselves to each other, I could not bring myself to be myself. I couldn't. And so I posed as Melisande Scott. I said to him, listen, my name is Melisande Scott. Jeffrey Moss, you get to work on that new play of yours, The Midas Touch. Who cares if your writing partner left you? You can write a play by yourself. I believe in you. And he did. He wrote The Midas Touch all by himself. And I could not have been prouder. Oh, I was over the moon. I was falling even more in love with him. Oh, I had a bee in my bonnet after that, let me tell you right now. I decided to visit all of my clients face-to-face -face and sort them all out. I pretended to be a patient of Dr. Kitchells, and I inspired him to sell his first song, the name of which was, ironically, The Midas Touch. And then I went to Blake Barton, the actor, and I said, hey, Blake Barton, you stop walking around in those dirty old street clothes. If you buy yourself a suit, maybe you'll be taken seriously in this town. And can you believe it? He got a suit. He got a part in Jeffrey's 
despite the Midas touch, Jeffrey eventually fell in love with Melisande, but he took me to this fancy party, and oh, that party, that was a nightmare. I felt like a total fake. I ask you, who is Grace Kelly anyway? If I may just, if I may just go on a tangent here, everyone at that party kept saying, I had lunch with GK. I had lunch with Grace Kelly. GK Gracie. Ooh, Gracie Pooh. Who is Grace Kelly? I ask you. To this day, I do not know. Everything was coming to a head. Oh, it was a disaster. Inspector Barnes was nipping at my heels. He thought I was an escort. He was on my heels, and Sandor was in deep with the mob. That was a whole mess. I was having a panic attack. I nearly packed my bags and left New York so I could go back to my old job. I was a, I was a switchboard operator for this brassiere company. Bras are very reassuring. Yeah, if I may say, they offer a great deal of support. No pun intended. I mean, what are you going to do? So yada, yada, yada. We worked everything out, and Jeffrey and I, uh, we, we fell into each other's arms. And yes, he knows my real name. Now, we're married now, so of course he knows my real name. I'm not sure what happened to Sue, though. I want to say she got together with Inspector Barnes. Sandor, Sandor definitely went to jail. Look, I gotta go. I hate to hang up on you so quickly, but I just realized there's a raccoon in the chimney, and it's giving me the stink eye. It's looking right at me. Oh, my God. I gotta get him up. Bye, honey. Bye, Jonathan Patty Betty. Thank you so much for having me. Take care of yourself, and remember, ow, 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 eat your spinach. Ow, 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 it's me, Bugsy. Ow, ow, ow. Holy moly. Wow, what a roller coaster ride. Thank you so much, Ella. Wow, okay, so let's talk about our research sources for this week. For the purposes of this week's episode, I listened to the 1956 original Broadway cast album of Bells Are Ringing. I then followed that up with the 1960 film adaptation, which was directed by Vincenti Minnelli. Vincenti Minnelli. Judy Holiday in this film is so modern. Her performance is so sharp. Oh, she is an original through and through. That is what I have to say about her. I thought Dean Martin, I thought he was going to be awful, and it turns out he was not. He was perfectly fine. <laughs> he was perfectly fine. There is not a lot of visual flair I found uh, throughout the film, but I was impressed by how Minnelli chose to shoot. I met a girl. Dean Martin is going against the flow of people traffic. He is desperately trying to walk down the street while dozens, dozens, hundreds of extras, I might even say, are... <laughs> are going in the opposite direction and watching that was actually kind of impressive to see Dean Martin lip-syncing to his own vocals while <laughs> while trying not to drown amongst all of these people. I did enjoy that sequence. That was really the only sequence in the film that had a visual pop to it. An important note regarding the movie, if I may give you this important note. It includes Better Than a Dream, the song Better Than a Dream, which was written and incorporated into the original Broadway production shortly after its opening in 1956. As such, you will not find a version of Better Than a Dream on the original cast album. The movie also swaps out the song You've Got to Do It, which is sometimes referred to as Independence. That in and of itself is confusing, but the movie takes that song out, it throws it to the side, and it replaces it with a brand new song known as Do It Yourself. And this is a nearly identical song in terms of theme 
theme, it has more of a bada bing, bada boom, rat pack style. I have to assume Dean Martin was interested in singing a song that felt more in his wheelhouse. Both songs are perfectly fine, though we will not be hearing either of them today. I just felt it was important to note this change in the structure of the show. A number of cuts were made while developing the film version of Bells, most of which I, I totally understand and agree with, actually. You want to cut Muchacha and Salzburg and Hello, Hello There? Fine by me. I have no problem with those cuts. But I, oh goodness, why in the world? Why would you cut Is It a Crime? That is Judy's best song by a long, long mile. To cut Is It a Crime is itself a crime. Everyone involved with that decision should have spent the night in jail. One night! I then listened to the 2001 Broadway revival cast album of Bells Are Ringing. This stars, this production stars, I should say, Faith Prince of Guys and Dolls and Little Me fame. Strangely enough, consider this wild fact. Faith Prince never played Alona in a production of She Loves Me. She never did. She never did. <laughs> She never did a production of She Loves Me. Jonathan, get it together. That fact is so wild that it sent my head spinning. My tongue went cuckoo. This revival cast album is not available to stream via Spotify or download via Amazon. Wow, that's very strange to me. I burned a copy several years ago, but the quality of that CD must have been suspect questionable as several tracks feature a noticeable clicking sound. If you've ever converted a CD into an MB3, a set of MP3s, not MB3s. But have you ever found that, listeners? Do you know what I'm talking about? If you ever converted your music years and years ago, you might find that a lot of the tracks have that clicking sound, that oh, it's so annoying. I hate that sound. Almost as much as I'm sure you hated hearing me recreate it. Oh boy. <laughs> Luckily, Liz, ah, oh, wonderful, Liz saved the day and sent me a fresh, oh, a fresh digital copy of this Revival Cast album. If you need that album, we will be providing... Oh, this is already on Twitter. We have provided a Dropbox link via Twitter for anyone who wants to hear this Faith Prince Revival. Have fun. Have at it. There is like an outtake at the end of the album. You have to sit through almost two minutes of dead silence, and then suddenly we jump right into the audio for this... <laughs> For this outtake. It is very jarring. I want to recreate this experience for you. You're not going to have to sit through nearly two minutes of silence, but we're going to have a little bit of silence and then you're going to be scared. It's like you're in a, in a haunted house. Trust me, it will take you off guard like it did me. So batty, batty, <laughs> no, Patty's not batty. Patty is not batty. Patty Benny, can we play that now? Tony, I got a new song for you, babe. <laughs> I told you it would throw you off. Boo! <laughs> 
And then finally, I watched the 2001 Tony Awards performance of I'm Going Back as presented by Faith Prince. The shadow of Judy Holliday is long. It's a long shadow. I would go to the mat for Faith Prince any day of the week, but this particular performance at the Tony Awards is not exactly leaping off the stage, okay? Perhaps Is It a Crime would have been a better choice? That's the comedy number of the show, after all. You might as well let us have it. Give it to us for free. I also have... Oh, okay. I have hazy memories that I'm I'm using as a vague reference point. I have memories of this Cincinnati Showboat Majestic production. I found out that the Cincinnati Showboat Majestic Summerstock Company, which ran for years, I believe that boat has been sold. I think it was sold in 2018, and I don't think it's a theater anymore. I don't think it's an operation anymore, which is... Oh, I guess that's fine. <laughs> I would have seen this production during my college days, and I gotta tell you, there is nothing better. There is nothing better than lurching from side to side. It's a boat on the water, people. You're watching theater on the water. You're not really moving, but you're moving, if you know what I mean. You're lurching from side to side while trying to watch a musical comedy. Is there anything more relaxing? 4DX, eat your fucking heart out, honey. Ella was played to perfection, I should say, by my friend Natalie. Oh, I miss Natalie. I haven't talked to Natalie in so long. Natalie played Sharpay to my Ryan in the production of High School Musical that I have talked about so often, especially via our Patreon feed. Hello, Natalie. I don't think you listen to the show, but if you randomly come across this particular episode, hello. You did a wonderful job in that Cincinnati Showboat Majestic production.
So here we are in the score deconstruction part of this week's episode. Hello, welcome. I wanted us to start with a bit, a slice of the overture, which on the original Broadway cast album clocks in at five minutes and 40 seconds. It is a beefy, oh, it's a big slab of overture is what it is. Oh, I admire them for going so big, so long. I love a long overture. Now let's compare that to the length of the revival cast album's overture. Oh, a puny three minutes and 45 seconds. Oh, we were cowards at the beginning of the new millennium. We had to have more courage is what I think. I think we should have gone for the five minute and 40 second version. Oh, what's wrong with us? Stop cutting these overtures down. Make them so long that people get itchy. I think we should get a little itchy toward the end of an overture. That's my opinion. All right, so now that we've heard that, it's a perfectly lovely overture. I want to go into It's a Perfect Relationship. Can we hear a bit of that, please? It's crazy, ridiculous, it doesn't make sense. That's true, but what can I do? I'm in love with a man. Plaza O, double four, double three. It's a perfect relationship. I can't see him, he can't see me. I'm in love with a voice. Plaza O, double four, double three. What a perfect relationship. I talk to him, and he just talks to me. And yet I can't help wondering what does he look like? Six foot seven or three foot two Has the eyes of brown or baby blue Big and mighty or underfed Trim black mustache or beard of red Can he dance like Fred Astaire? Is he dark or is he fair? Pompadour or not a hair? Well, I don't care I'm in love with a man Plaza O, double four, double three It's a perfect relationship and that's how things should always be Our love can never lose its mystery Cause I'll never meet him And he'll never meet me No, he'll never meet me I think that It's a Perfect Relationship is a wonderful way to introduce us to the character of Ella Peterson. So Ella is utilizing, I find this fascinating, within the context of the story, she's working for this answering service, and she is utilizing this latest in technology to catfish her way into the hearts of other people. This is a scheme that has never gone out of style. She was a trailblazer for her generation. You know, in the past, her ancestors would have used letters, but now we have the telephone. We have answering services. We can be anyone we want. We can feed information in any direction. We can send it in any direction is what I want to say. But she's not using it for illicit purposes. She's not greedy. She's not selfish. She's not capitalizing on her position. No, she's helping other people. She's lifting them up. She's making connections. For your consideration, I would like to posit that this story is modern in another way. This is 
is a story about a woman with intense anxiety. I feel like if you play the character of Ella, you have to understand that she has intense anxiety. Ella believes she is worthless. She thinks she is trash. Ella hates being in a crowd. And Ella finds more comfort at her desk, listening to voices, pretending to be characters. Ella is a podcaster. Oh, I want to say before we move forward that Sidney Chaplin, who plays Jeffrey Moss here, he sounds a lot like Carlton the Doorman from the sitcom Rhoda. This is answer phone. Hello, Mom. Yes, Mr. Moss. Will you wake me up in a couple hours? Yes, Mr. Moss. Hello? Uh, this is Carlton, your doorman. Yes, yes, yes. Is uh, Brenda Morgan's term there? Uh-huh, it's for you. Yeah. Yes, Carlton, I'm here. Prince Charming has arrived. <laughs> Shortest Prince Charming I ever saw. Carlton the Doorman, hello, as played by Lorenzo Music, who would go on to voice the character Garfield in Garfield and Friends in the 1990s. Hello, Patty and Betty are shaking their heads at me. Is anyone else watching Rhoda? Chris and I are watching Rhoda. Hello, this is Carlton, your doorman. I don't know. I, I made a connection. I feel like no one else made this connection, and that's fine. Let's keep going. Who's Musa Hoxki? What's Rachmaninoff? What's Rachmaninoff? Record orders in a very cultured tone. Are we really booking horses over at Suzanne's phone? We'll be song, It's a Simple Little System, which you just heard, it struck me how regional theaters often license shows like Bells Are Ringing, these musical comedies, because they assume they are easy to pull off in some general sense. I don't know if they would consciously admit that to themselves, but on some level, I think they do. I think they do think that these shows are easy to stage, but listen to the vocal arrangement throughout It's a Simple Little System. There are not a lot of companies 
companies of performers who can pull off that vocal arrangement. It takes a lot of work and range, real range, to pull off what many would dismiss as lightweight material. I talk about range. Fucking vocal range! My god, again, go back, listen to what the company is doing on this track. These are not microwave dinner shows. The plots might be silly, but there is a lot that goes into pulling them off and making them fucking sharp. This company could easily do justice to a song like Let Our Garden Grow from Candide, another Best Musical nominee from this very season. They could and they would. That's what I have to say about this company. Mother and Dad handed down to me a bit of their old philosophy. I've stuck to it like an obedient daughter, but it always lands me in hot water. I'd gladly follow out your suggestions if you'd give me the answers to these questions. Please tell me, is it a crime to start each day with a laugh and a smile and a song? And is it a crime to end each day with a laugh and a smile and a song? Is it wrong? Is it a crime to call the world your valentine? Is it a crime to grab a lamppost and then sing sweet from its nest that little bird should have a chance to fly like all the rest if it's a crime to help old ladies cross the street then put me in jail without bail bread and water from an old tin pail if that's if that's a crime Inspector, I'm puzzled. We're taught two things as we go through life. One, be thy brother's keeper. And two, mind your own business. With a laugh and a smile and a song. Now if I know something and by telling it to someone in distress, I could change that person's life and bring them the blue bird of happiness. Is it a crime to tell him? Or is it a crime not to? Is it that you mustn't, or you got to? Should you say, hey, watch out for that banana peel, bud? Or just remain silent and then laugh as he crashes with a thud? Inspector, my job is to give messages to people on time. If I have a job, and I see it through, and it's just my duty that I do, do, do. Is that, is that? Inspector, let's go back a few thousand years. If there had been answering services then, and it had been up to me, I could have changed the course of history. I could have prevented many a famous tragedy. With a laugh and a smile and a song. Why, every night I lie in bed and my cheeks, my cheeks grow soaking wet when I think of what I could have done for Romeo and Juliet. Hello, Verona phone. Oh, yes.
Yes, Mr. Romeo. Juliet Capulet called. The message is to avoid getting married to other fellow and playing dead. This Friar Lawrence gave me a great big sleeping pill, but when I wake up, we'll head for the border. Oh, don't thank me. It's all in the day's work. See what I could have done. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. But if I got that message through on time, I'm telling you, those two kids would be alive today. So if it's a crime to help old ladies cross the streets, then I'll confess I'm just a mess. Mother and dad, you were wrong, I guess. Inspector, were they wrong? Thank you. I mean, I've already gone out of my way to extol the virtues of Is It a Crime? But I have to say, this is one of the best comedic performances ever captured. My God, we need to put this on a golden vinyl record and send it into space for the extraterrestrials. They need to hear Judy Holiday, the clever, masterful modulation of pitch and tone, how every wild swing makes immediate contact with the listener, every fucking comedic strategy, every comedic strategy pays off like gangbusters. Holiday is totally in her element from moment one. Not a single phrase is taken for granted, and I think all performers should use her as an example. Your audience will appreciate and respect and applaud this level of dedication, so strive for this level of dedication. Pay attention to every note, every word, and find out how to, how to bring it all together and make it explode. How? How does she do it? Figure it out. You gotta figure it out for yourself. Show up just like MVP Judy Holiday. Not Jennifer, Judy. He met a girl. He met a girl. He met a girl. A wonderful girl. A marvelous girl. A fabulous girl. A super sensational girl. He met a girl. A wonderful girl. Excited about Enchanting face. My heart keeps racing faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and faster because he met a girl, a marvelous girl. She's rarer than uranium and rarer than a pearl. I found me a treasure and I want to shout. This is what I'm getting so excited about. He met a girl, such a wonderful girl. He met a girl and I. Hi, 
I Met a Girl is a very good example of what I like to refer to as fella accosts strangers on the street songs. The name of the genre doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. No, it doesn't. My tongue's all twisty. You know this. But I, I, I point to other examples from this genre. Lucky to be me from On the Town or She Loves Me from the show She Loves Me. You know, there's always... <laughs> there is always some man standing center stage, and he is singing, he's declaring to the world how fortunate he is to be in love, and you know, he'll grab a woman, he'll grab a woman who's just trying to push a stroller down the street, and that'll get the attention of a cop, who's like, ah, what's going on over here? I'm kind of glaring at you. But then the ingenue, the male ingenue, he ribs him a little bit, and the cop, he's startled, he's startled at first, but then he's bemused. He realizes, ah, oh, this guy's not a nice He's in love. And eventually the guy, the male ingenue, gets the entire town, the city, the planet to sing alongside him because that's how wonderful love is. You can't help but join in. You have to sing about the love. We chose to play a bit of the 2001 revival version of I Met a Girl because I... <laughs> I totally thought the 2001 arrangement of this song was a revamped and tighter variation on the arrangements of the original. But as it turns out, they are the exact same arrangement. I played them back to back a couple of times and I realized there are no real differences in terms of the structure, how this is organized. I suppose I like the 2001 version better because the vocals, there's a, there's a greater clarity to the vocals. Sometimes it's hard to hear what's going on on that original Broadway cast album. I would also like to say that in college, I knew someone and for the life of me, I genuinely cannot remember who this would have been. But I knew someone who sang this song I'm at a Girl for an audition and let's just say I heard it a lot during the lead up to that audition. Oh, this person asked me to watch them again and again and again and again and again. The song was not poisoned for me as a result. Oh, thank goodness. But the memories came flooding back, that's for sure. She's rarer than uranium and fairer than a pearl. Heard it a lot. Heard it a lot. Look, if you're in college and you are pursuing a theater degree, do me a favor. Don't agree to watch someone's audition material. I know that you think that you're friends, but you don't need to be helping them. They need to be helping themselves. They can go to one of the professors at your college. They could seek out, oh, they could seek out any number of opinions. They don't need yours. Don't help them get the part that you might want for yourself. Don't agree to discuss any of this stuff with them. It's on them. I will say it again. Not you. Save yourself. Save yourself. Work on your own material. You need to develop your own instruments. Long before I knew you Long before I met you I was sure I'd find you Someday Somehow I pictured someone Glow. But now 
That long before I knew you, I loved you so. Long before I knew you. Sure, Judy Holliday's funny. Ha ha ha. Ho ho ho. She's a comedian. Great. Impressive. But, but, if I may, if I may raise my hand, can she sell the beautiful and awful ache of the human heart? Ha, ah, does she have that ability? Hey, can I just say to you, hey, stop asking all of these questions. I'm going to interrupt you. This is the musical man talking to you. And I got to say, of course she can. Of course she can. How dare you ask these questions? You're trying to question the range of ability? Ah, of Judy Holiday? How dare you? You're disgusting. You make me so mad sometimes. You, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you just not hear her on along before I knew you? You, whoa, 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 whoa. You need to, whoa, 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 slow, slow, slow your roll. Sit it down, okay? That's it. That's all I have to say. He's in love with Melisande Scott. A girl who doesn't exist. He's in love with someone you're not. And so It was never you he kissed The party's over It's time to call it a day No matter how you pretend You knew it would end this The party's over The candles flicker and dim You danced and dreamed through the night It seemed to be right just being with him Now you must wake up All dreams must end actually circle back to the subject of college theater majors. College theater majors are always in need of a sorrowful tune from the canon of musical theater, and I would encourage them to examine and embrace this mournful classic, The Party's Over. Listen to it when you're hungover. Listen to it when that special someone has left you. They've revealed themselves to be not worthy of you, and yet it hurts. It hurts. You gotta go through that 
my pain, right? Listen to The Party's Over when your face is straight with makeup. Straight is what it is. You should be sitting on the floor, preferably. <laughs> In the middle of your dorm room, preferably. I mean, let's be real. How much mileage, how many more miles are you going to get out of I'm Not That Girl in February of this year? Let that song go. Set it to the side. It's time to go back in time. Back in time, I say. Listen to the party's over. It'll help you. It'll be a soothing bomb. It's like a bomb on a burn, huh? I don't like the fact that the 1960 film adaptation of Bells Are Ringing slows down the tempo of the Midas Touch instead of the Midas Touch. The mighty, 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 mighty Midas Touch. The Midas Touch. We get the Midas Touch. The mighty, mighty, mighty Midas Touch or something like that. It's slower and I don't like that. I don't like that. You know why? Because that's a decision rooted in homophobia. The original arrangement of this song is beyond gay, undeniably queer, full throated. Goat throat, okay? Gay. That's what I'm trying to tell you. The Midas Touch. The money, 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 Midas Touch. The guys singing that are covered in sweat from top to bottom. <laughs> Top to bottom. This is a hook written by an anxious gay man. Okay, this was written by the dentist in the in the reality of this show. And the women are screaming. The men are wailing. Everyone's on cocaine. Studio 54, where are you? And what about this section? Gold in the morning. Gold in the evening. Gold in the summer. Gold in the winter. Dr. Midas said to me, be sure you take your vitamin G. O-L-D, and that's what he said to me. We have always been here. Homosexuals, queer people, we have always been here. You will never get rid of us, all right? I pictured someone who'd walk and talk and smile as you do Who'd make me feel as you do right now All that was long before I held you Long before I kissed you Long before I touched you And felt this glow But Yeah. Uh... 
And finally, we had to feature Mark Kudich in honor of Liz. That was Mark Kudich singing a reprise of Long Before I Knew You from the 2001 Revival cast album. Kudich also played Chauvelin in The Scarlet Pimpernel on Broadway, as well as Gaston in Beauty and the Beast. Oh, those sonorous, rich, black coffee tones were put to good use, Mark. Mark, we call this range, darling. Hello. And I suppose we should close out this score deconstruction with a bit of I'm going back. I don't have any intellectual or or loud opinions regarding I'm going back, but we have to close out with a little bit of holiday. Let's take a holiday, another holiday. Let's hear it. So goodbye, Max, to your dogs and your cats, to the Duke of Windsor and his Duchess. Bye-bye, Barton and Kitchell and Hastings. At last you're out of my clutches. I'll miss you, but you'll catch Wonderful. Thank you so much, Patty and Benny. It is now time to hear from our fine, fine sponsor, 5678 Coffee. Take it away, 5678. Well, open it, can't you? Howdy. What do you want? I done got through my business up here at the house. Just thought I'd pay a call. You got a gun, I see. Good one. Colt forty-five. What do you do with it? Shoot things. Oh. That there pink picture. Now that's a naked woman, ain't it? Your eyes don't lie to you. Plum stark naked as a jaybird. No, no she ain't. Not quite. Got a couple of... thingamabobs tied onto her. Shucks, that ain't a thing to what I got here. Look at that top one. I'll go blind. That would give me ideas, that would. That's a dinger, that is. Yeah, that sure is a dinger. That's a good-looking rope you got there. Spins nice. You know Will Parker? He can sure spin a rope. Say, that's a strong hook you got there. You could hang yourself on that, Judd. I could what? Say, you got any coffee? Five, six, seven, eight. Only the best, I see. Boy, I... I sure could go for a cup. Help yourself. Just brewed a nice, fresh batch. Mmm. Hot damn. Good? Real good. Think I might have a cup myself. 
Say, Curly. Yes, sir? Who's the fellow with the video camera? Oh, don't mind him, none. He's from Kansas City. Here to make a documentary. A documentary? What's that? Heck, if I know. Now, shut the fuck up and take off them britches. You don't gotta tell me twice. thoughts regarding bells are ringing. I have a great affection for the main character at the center of this story, Ella Peterson. I really like the fact that she overcomes her anxiety and she learns to take a step out into the world and share the love that she has in her heart with other people. And that's great. I like all of that stuff. The problem is that Gene Stapleton is running around with that Sandor character and this whole plot about the bookies. It's all so, oh, it's dime store guys and dolls nonsense. And that takes up a fair amount of the show, of the real estate here. And I don't like any of that stuff. So there's a good amount of this that I'm glad it was cut out of the film. And I feel like it makes the story tighter as a result. But the original show has quite a few moments where you think to yourself, okay... <laughs> all right, let's get to the hits. Can we just play the hits? We don't need all this nonsense, padding out the runtime, making it more crowded and more stuffy. That's what I have to say regarding Bells Are Ringing. In 1957, the winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical was My Fair Lady. We have not talked about My Fair Lady here on the main feed, but we have talked about the additional nominees from that season, Candide and The Most Happy Fella. So we only have one more show from this set of nominees to cover. And when that happens, when we talk about My Fair Lady eventually, Shrek will come, he will come again, he will visit us, and he will tell us which show should get in his belly. That's a little teaser. I have no idea when we are going to cover My Fair Lady, but we will get there eventually. It is now time to rank Bells Are Ringing against all of the other musicals we have talked about here on the podcast. We are going to put Bells Are Ringing at number 71 on our list. This is between Jamaica at number 70 and me and my girl at number 72. You might think that's low, but I actually think this is a very strong section of the list, and I want to announce a change. We have moved Mean Girls and Xanadu as a pair. They were moved together down to number 77 and number 78. They are between The Wild Party at number 76 and Mame at number 79. So, congratulations, Mean Girls and Xanadu. You have new neighbors, I say that. 
I've said that before. I know I have. If you want to check out the full ranking, go to twitter.com slash musicalmanpod. You can access our link tree via that profile. And there's a spreadsheet. The second tab. That's the tab you need. It's going to give you that ranking info. It is now time to share some nice, lovely bits of show-related ephemera with you, the lovely listener. We're going to start with a New York Times article that was published on June 13th, 2001. It was written by Jesse McKinley, and the headline of this piece is The Checks Are Bouncing at Bells Are Ringing. This will give us a very grim perspective on that revival, which was very troubled. Let's hear that now. Quote, Closing a Broadway show is never easy, but the final days of the revival of Bells Are Ringing were apparently especially rocky, with a rash of bounced checks causing hostility between the musical's producers and its cast and crew. The problems came to light over the weekend when checks to about 18 actors and several wardrobe workers bounced. Reacting to this, representatives of Actors' Equity, the Actors' Union, met with the company just an hour before the show's final performance to assure them that any outstanding payments would be covered by a bond in the event that the producers couldn't pay. We met with them to calm them down, said Alan Eisenberg, Equity's executive director. They were very angry. He added, I can't remember the last time a check bounced on Broadway. In a business where many deals are still made with a handshake and a good name is perhaps an entrepreneur's most valuable asset, this is shaping up as a public relations nightmare for the producers. They were working hard yesterday to assure their creditors that they had the money to pay all their debts. Mark Balsam, one of the producers, said that replacement checks for the actors and the wardrobe personnel would be issued within 24 hours. All the debts from the show will be settled, Mr. Balsam said. We're working out payment plans with everybody. Mr. Balsam's producing partner, Mitchell Maxwell, was traveling and not available for comment. How convenient. <laughs> That's me, the musical man, butting in with a bit of editorializing. How convenient. I'm I'm away. I'm traveling. I'm not a Available. Okay, back to the article. Among those the producers were trying to arrange to pay was the show's advertising company, the Alloran Murphy Group, which one member of the marketing team, speaking on condition of anonymity, said was owed some $150,000. Barbara Alloran, the chief executive at Alloran Murphy, refused to say how much the company was owed, but confirmed it was in the six figures. She said the producers had paid about half the original bill and had a payment plan for the rest. We have every expectation and hope they will continue, she said. Anne Murphy, the president and creative director, added, It hasn't affected our day-to-day operations, but it has affected our morale. It hurts. The show's press agent, the Barlow Hartman Agency, was also owed several weeks' pay. The show, a revival of the 1956 musical by Julie Stein, Betty Compton, and Adolph Green, closed after only 69 regular performances at an estimated loss of $7 million. The production, which starred Faith Prince as a plucky telephone operator, had a rough road to Broadway, with mediocre out-of-town reviews in Stamford, Connecticut, and the departure of the show's original general managers, 
Richards Climate Incorporated. Actors' Equity had also received reports from members that some checks were not clearing during its out-of-town run, said Louise Foisy, the union's business representative for the show. The checks were eventually made good, Miss Foisy said, but the experience left some company members uneasy. The producers later switched banks, saying in a February memorandum to the cast, crew, and production staff that the bounced checks were caused by delays in electronic wire transfers. Still, Mr. Maxwell, the lead producer, said he would open on time on Broadway, and did, giving an opening night party at Sardi's. The reviews weren't so pretty, however, though Miss Prince received some good notices and was nominated for a Tony Award. The night after the opening, Mr. Maxwell took to the stage of the Plymouth and boldly predicted to the cast that the show would still be running in a year. Several weeks later, several more checks bounced, Miss Foisey said. Yesterday, Mr. Balsam sounded contrite about the payroll problems. It's my fault, he said. The responsibility always lies with me. He added, the one thing I promise is that everyone who's owed money will be addressed. Quote, end quote. That's the end of the article. I have one other piece of show-related ephemera for you. This is a bonus track from the original 1956 Broadway cast album. It is a Julie Stein demo. You're going to hear Julie Stein singing an unused song. The name of the song is Boogie Woogie Shuggy. Let's hear that. Boogie Woogie Shuggy, baby of mine. You know, Daddy, Daddy's busy working all of the time. You know how I feel. Baby, this is for real. Oogie, woogie, shuggie, baby of mine. Got that, moms? Boogie, shuggie! Woogie, woogie, baby, oogie, woogie, shoggy, baby, baby of mine. To determine which show we discuss next, we'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel, otherwise known as the random number generator I named after that classic Rogers and Hammerstein show, My Daddy's Father's Papa. Everyone ready? Then away we go! The subject of our next main feed episode, which I believe is going to drop, let me check my calendar at the risk of throwing everything off. Aha, yes, this episode is going to drop Wednesday, March 2nd. I should have noted that in advance. I'm sorry for, oh, I'm sorry for tripping us up, Patty and Benny. So, March 2nd is when this will drop. It is a 1962 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical, and it ran for 543 performances. Are you familiar with this Jerry Herman? musical. It's Milk and Honey, baby. Milk and Honey is the subject of our next main feed episode. Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod to find out how you can support the show financially. As a reminder, 100% of every monthly payout is donated to the Okra Project. You can donate one, three, five, or ten dollars a month. If you donate one dollar a month, you get Monday early access to all of these main feed episodes, as well as a verbal shout-out in every main feed episode. Thank you so much for donating at least one 
$1 a month. Andy, Elizabeth, Aaron, Jason, Jack, Vitor, Sydney, Katie, Elena, Anton, Ross, HJG, Jared, Eli, David, Dave, Christopher, Neil, Brian, Robin, Liz, Carrie, Maddie, Jonathan, Marcus, Rob, Shauna, Shiante, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. As a $1 a month patron, you also get access to 17 bonus episodes regarding the 73rd Annual Tony Awards, a trailer review for the film Cats, ABC's The Little Mermaid Live, a full review of the film Cats, Emma at Chicago Shakespeare Theater, Take Me to the World, a Sondheim 90th birthday celebration, Hamilton via Disney+, Plus, Documentary Now, Original Cast Album, Co-op, John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square, Arlo the Alligator Boy, a trailer review for Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, Vivo, the Tony Awards present Broadway's back, Diana and Annie Live. Oh, but I'm not done! One dollar a month patrons also get access to season one, 12 episodes of Radio Boy, a series for which I check in with myself via the non-musical theater songs that make me feel more like myself. You also get all 12 episodes of M3, the movie musical man, a series for which we watch trilogies of movie musicals that are tied by a common theme. Monthly episodes will begin anew. We'll have brand new monthly episodes, I should say, starting fall of this year, 2022. If you donate $3 a month, you get everything I've already described, plus a musical shout-out in the style of a character, actor, or composer of your choosing. You get all 10 episodes of Wildcats Everywhere, the high school musical podcast, and a special one-off all about Julie and the Phantoms. $5 a month will get you everything I've already described, plus you get to stop the musical carousel and determine what show I discuss here on the podcast. You get seasons one and two of All I Ask of You. That's 24 episodes of an advice show hosted by the Phantom of the Opera. You get access to our Broadway in Chicago review series, the next entry for which will drop March 16th. That's right. And that will be all about Hades Town. We just released our, our episode on Hairspray. You also get volumes one, two, three, and four of Shout About It. Those are compendiums, collections, if you will, of five, six, seven, eight coffee ads and musical shoutouts from the first 100 episodes of the podcast, I believe. Finally, $10 a month will get you everything I've already described, plus you get exclusive announcements regarding future subjects of the main feed, season one, 12 episodes of The Snub Club, which is dedicated to Broadway musicals that were snubbed. They were not nominated for the Tony Award for Best Musical. And then finally, Turn It Off, a special series dedicated to off-Broadway musicals. My God, when you stop to consider how much we have already produced for the Patreon feed, it really is impressive, and we love this show. Turn It Off, it's returning next Wednesday, February 23rd. We're going to be producing six more episodes for this show. What did you talk about for the purposes of the first six episodes? Well, we talked about Emoji Land, Soft Power, The Fantastics, We Are the Tigers, Bat Boy, and A Strange Loop. And in our newest episode, which will drop next week, February 23rd, we will be talking about Songs for a New World and Tick, Tick, Boom, two shows in one episode. It's true. If you're listening to the show via Apple Podcasts or Pod Chaser, please take a moment to leave a five-star review. We want 65-star reviews. We have 53. And when we get to 65-star reviews, we will release via the main feed a special episode all about Disney's Zombies franchise. It's true. You can stream the show via Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, or Podbean, musicalmanpod.podbean.com. Follow us on Twitter at musicalmanpod and email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. Thanks as always to Patty and Benny. I love ya. Let's all spin our propellers at the same time. Three, two, one, spin! All right, the timing is a little off due to Zoom, but that's fine. (laughs) 
<laughs> thank you to Alex Green for our beautiful logo, and thank you to Sacklittle for our fabulous intro and outro music. Ah, you know what that sound means? Yes, just when the fun is starting comes the time for parting. Oh well, we'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, off Wiedersehen, and good night.